0: Let's pray together. Father, we just pray that um, as we come to your word today, that, that I would be faithful unto it. That as you inspired your word and inspired me as I worked in the office, that you would inspire it now as it's proclaimed. And it would indeed be your word for your people. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us and prepare our hearts this day uh, by the power of your word, uh, that you'd prepare us for what is to come, uh, for the future that's ahead of us, that you'd prepare us for this very day, even as we leave uh, the church, that your word would prepare us to walk with you and to stand steadfast. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Reading from John uh, 15. Uh, verses 18 through 6, 4. And then uh, we'll take a little break on on John, other than I may use some of John, uh, of course, for the the Christmas narrative. Uh, but next Sunday, we will have a—the message will be more of a Thanksgiving-type uh, message. And then we'll, we immediately, the next Sunday, move into Advent and the cre- Christmas season. So, it is upon us, uh, folks. So, Pull out your Bibles and follow along if you have them, or you can follow here on the screens. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Not because, because, you, are not of, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember I have told them to you. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, as I prepared this week's message, I knew that it was not going to be a popular one, that it's probably not going to be one of those that you leave saying that's one of Danny's best. Honestly, a part of me wanted to skip over this text, but I'm called to preach the full counsel of God. Further, I was compelled by the Holy Spirit to preach from this text. I believe this text was written for such a time as this. And this teaching was not popular with Jesus' disciples either. I mean, who likes the thoughts of persecution? Further, many of the disciples were probably still hoping Jesus would be an earthly Messiah. They were still hoping for one who would conquer and overthrow their current oppressors and persecutors. They certainly weren't looking for a Messiah whose coming was going to lead to even more persecution. Further, as the disciples sat around the upper room that evening, uh, it had mostly been a good evening. Oh, Jesus had told of Judah's betrayal, and he had told of Peter's denial, but the disciples didn't really understand what was going on there. But the rest of the events, many of the teachings that evening had been really good. Jesus had washed their feet. He had celebrated the Passover with them. He had given them a new commandment to love one another. He had taught them that he was going to prepare a place for them and that he was the way and the truth and the life. He had promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. He told them about bearing fruit and, and how their prayers would be answered if they would abide in Him, if they would abide in Him and His Word. But then, Jesus had to go and ruin the evening by talking about persecution. It's not exactly pleasant table talk, is it? But one thing we can say about Jesus is that He kept it real. He gave us the good and the bad and the ugly, so to speak. He told us about blessing upon blessing if we followed Him. But He also told us that we're going to have to take up our cross. We're going to have to deny ourselves if we're going to follow Him. He also told us that following Him for some people would even mean forsaking one's family. But we must admit, The warnings about persecution are difficult to hear, aren't they? Perhaps particularly difficult for those of us living in North America in 2023. One reason is because we're part of what some have called the comfort culture. John Eldridge writes in his book, Resilient, the world is a dangerous place. This startling fact sharpened the humility and the wits of every generation before us. But we're in the gourmet latte generation, the instant information, overnight delivery generation. We've experienced ease and comfort that was unimaginable for those who have come before us. So if we can be honest with one another this morning, comfort for most of us is a bit of a God. Therefore, this message is hard. Further, I think we're rather spoiled and perhaps even naive living here in Patrick County, Virginia. We, we tend to think of persecution as something that's, that's out there somewhere. It, it goes on in another land or, or maybe it goes on in big cities in our own country, but, but not here, at least not now. But I would argue that something is happening. There has been a shift in these turbulent times the times they are a changing for you young folks that's a Bob Dylan song and he sung that in a very turbulent time in our nation I'm not a prophet nor do I tend to watch the news and try to pinpoint where we are on the prophetic timeline of Christ's return I very much believe in Christ's return. I'm just not a timeline person because everyone who tries to be a timeline person, they end up being wrong. Only God knows when Jesus is going to return. But when I watch what happened, especially during the early days of the COVID pandemic and the political upheaval, Black Lives Matter, gender concerns, battle over Roe v. Wade, now Ukraine and Russia at war, Israel's war against Hamas terrorists. I can't help but think, beloved, that something is afoot. I can't help but wonder if the return of Christ is much closer than we might think. And honestly, in the last three years, I've prayed more than ever, come, Lord Jesus, come. And there are at least signs of growing persecution here. People are being fired because management doesn't like their, an employee's personal views. They don't like their views because their views are based on a biblical worldview. I've heard of at least two people recently who had such a strong Christian work ethic. Their Christian work ethic was based on their following of Christ to, to, to do their best. And they were actually told by, their, by management to let up, to slow down, because their good work ethic was making the other employees look bad. It's mind-boggling to me, but it's happening. Christians in America are being declared haters if we say anything is wrong. And sadly, there are some haters in our ranks. And unfortunately, they're the ones who make all the news None of us should hate, but declaring something is wrong because God declares it wrong is not hate. Done correctly, it actually can be an act of love. My parents told me when I did wrong because they loved me, not because they hated me. But the world doesn't want anyone to hold them accountable, not even God. Even youth sports on Sundays, while not outright persecution, is certainly an indicator that the culture has shifted, and it's apathetic to the Christian church, and it will not cater to the things that we believe are priorities. I believe things are shifting, and I believe we're ill-prepared for what is ahead, so I just want us to look and understand about what Jesus says about persecution, and then I hope to just share some, some thoughts about preparing for the future, what could be a difficult future. Why does the world persecute us? And the world as Jesus uses it here is the evil, fallen world system controlled by Satan. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God loves the world. God loves the human race. He's not against the world. He created us and he provided for our redemption. But the world here are those who are opposed to God. It's those who oppose God and his son. And Jesus indicates that the world system persecutes us for three reasons. The world rejects those who are not a part of it. Number two, the world hated Jesus. And number three, the world does not know God. The first reason the world persecutes believers is that the world rejects those who are not a part of it. Verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. One of the reasons why the world sometimes hates us, beloved, is because we're walking with the Lord. We're seeking to be different. We're not like the world. Proverbs 29, 27 says, one whose way is straight is an abomination to the wicked. When a believer seeks to walk uprightly, it's a condemnation of the world. And the world simply doesn't like it. It doesn't like it. I remember well, I was a freshman in college when I gave my life to Christ. And suddenly when I wouldn't do things that I did before, some of my friends and acquaintances said to my face, oh, that's right, yeah, you got Jesus now, right? See, the world doesn't like it. The world doesn't like it when we won't go along with everything. Another reason why the world's going to persecute followers of Jesus is because it did hate Jesus. Verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me because before it hated you. Middle part of verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. The Greek grammar of this sentence is such that the word if actually should be translated since. Since they persecuted you, they will persecute me. I mean, since they persecute me, they will persecute you. Sorry about that. He's saying, if it happened to me, it will happen to you. If the world system had the nerve to persecute Jesus, the Son of God, it will persecute us. Ultimately, the world persecutes the followers of Christ because it does not know God and it hates God. Verse 21. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. Verse 23, whoever hates me hates my father also. Chapter sixteen, three: and they will do these things because they have not known the father nor me. Satan in his world system, beloved, rejects those who are not part of it. And make no mistake, it hates Jesus. Satan and his system hates God. Therefore, it will persecute the followers of Jesus. And I know it's a sobering message. It's not one we like. Most of us gathered here today have probably experienced very little persecution thus far in our lives. The persecution at some level has always been a part of following Jesus. Always look at the history look at what's going on around you in chapter 16 jesus tells the disciples how they will excuse me be put out of the synagogues and they will be killed the religious authorities who rejected jesus as the messiah would actually believe they were doing god a service when they persecuted his disciples just like they thought they were doing god a service when they crucified jesus But Jesus said something I found very interesting in verse 1. He said, I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. Jesus has warned them in advance. He's saying, I'm preparing you. Be ready. Hardships and persecution will come. And I don't want you to fall away. Again, Jesus was very real, beloved and we need to be real this is not a message we like but i believe it's a message we need there's been a great falling away of christians already in america there's much data to prove it there's empty pews to prove it i believe we've got some difficult times ahead At the very least, I believe God may be sifting out a faithful remnant. And I would love for you and I to be a part of that remnant. And I believe we can. I believe there is hope. If history is any indicator, and I believe it is, the church has often not just survived, but has thrived during seasons of persecution. The church has grown both numerically and in depth of faith during trying times such as these. Further, Jesus clearly told Peter in Matthew 16, 18, that the gates of hell could not prevail against his church. The gates of hell are trying, and today's text, I believe, is a warning. I believe God is trying to prepare you and I for such a time as this, for what could be, yes, a difficult season, but what could also be a very glorious season as we wait and we watch for the return of our Lord. The key is to not panic, but to prepare. So how? How? And I'm sorry to disappoint you if you're thinking I'm going to say build your bunkers and hoard up your food and and your weapons and all that. That's not what you're getting today. We need to fortify our souls. Our preparation begins with fortifying our souls. That we do everything we can right now, right now, to abide with Christ in preparation for what could be ahead we do some things we've been talking about for the last couple weeks we keep pausing moment by moment day by day week by week and we work on our union with jesus we pause and let him know we love him we pause and tell him lord we're giving you everything we're turning this over to you As I've done in in past years, I'm going to in the new year share some of the spiritual disciplines again to help fortify your life and draw you closer to the Lord. The ladies' Monday night group has already studied some of those spiritual disciplines. You you ladies are already working on it. You're ahead of us. Uh, Some of you are already personally spending time with the Lord. Uh, I've been encouraged to hear about some of you young adults uh, having individual, personal prayer times. I've been hearing stories about some of you young adults gathering together to pray, and and some of our youth as well, uh, to encourage one another. I want you to know I'm proud of you. Keep that up. Keep fortifying your souls in that way. Uh, This might also be a time, beloved, to pull back from some of the information overload of our world. Did you know your souls weren't meant to know what is going on with everyone all the time? Your soul wasn't made for that. In fact, an anthropologist has done a lot of study, and your soul was actually made, in terms of community, for about 150 people. Which, by the way, happens to be the size of our church. Isn't that pretty incredible? Your soul was made to know a smaller number of people and to be involved in their lives. Knowing what's going on with everyone all the time is causing deep anxiety. The data is there for college freshmen, how many are dealing with anxiety and and counseling in that first year. Uh, It's scary, actually. Maybe you need to turn off some of your phone notifications during this time to fortify your soul. You need to limit some of your social media, beloved. You need a little more silence in your lives so that you can hear what the Lord is saying. I think this is all time also a time to sure up our orientation, to sure up our bearings. It's time to ask, what is my worldview? Is it based on Scripture, or is it based on culture, or is it based on social media influencers? Who or what is driving the direction of my life? I think it's time to better integrate our lives, to make Jesus central in everything we do. When you get home today, read Deuteronomy 6. This is a time to take a cue from Deuteronomy 6 and to talk about Jesus and to make Jesus central when you rise in the morning, when you go to bed at night, and when you walk along the way. I think it's time, beloved, to build a stronger community of believers Hebrews 10 24 to 25 and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching if difficult times are coming we're going to need each other And we need to start being very committed to one another now. We need regular church attendance. We need fellowship meals. We need small group gatherings like our Sunday school classes and some of our other small groups. And I would encourage you to to gather in more small groups. If you don't have one and you're looking for one, talk with us. You need those opportunities. I'm going to stop there. But I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from you what, about what fortifies your soul. What, what helps hold you fast in your faith? Maybe we could share those with one another and, and that way be an encouragement to one another as we just seek to hold fast in difficult times. If there's something I and the elders need to do to encourage you, to support you, to walk with you, I'd love to know about it. I'd love to share that with the elders as we set direction for our church. None of us know what's ahead. None of us know when Christ will return. We, we don't know if it's our lifetime, our kids' lifetime, our grandchildren's lifetime. We don't know. But if the pandemic has taught us anything, we don't know, and we ought to be more prepared. We ought to be more prepared. But let us not panic. Let's prepare as we watch and we wait for the return of our Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, I I can only imagine that when you sat there that night in the upper room and you went from all those good things you were sharing with the disciples then you began to share this message that they got the deer in the headlight look a little bit I think I saw some of that this morning I saw some of that in my own eyes as I read this passage and it's not something we like to hear and we are fortunate to live in, in such a wonderful place we are fortunate to have a lot of security here that so many countries and regions and even places in America do not have, and we're thankful for that. But Lord, prepare our hearts. Fortify our souls. Draw us into a deeper union with You for what could be ahead. Protect the hearts and the souls of our children and our grandchildren. Oh God, draw them unto Yourself. Give them such a complete union with you that we just see amazing things out of this next generation. Maybe what you have planned is for them to be the faithful remnant, the faithful generation that that changes things in an incredible way here. Lord, fortify our souls, strengthen our hearts, instill disciplines and Times of silence in our lives so that we can hear you and be with you and be prepared for whatever might come. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. Again, none of us know what might might lie ahead, and I know this has been a a difficult message, but the good news is that there's hope because we belong to the Lord. We're His. He is ours. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you might abound In hope. God bless you. Amen.